I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones, and this is Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. When I published our most recent program, Glorification and the Christmas Spirit, I mentioned that it would be our last program of 2012, and so I thought. But my dear friend Bob Butler sent along an article the other day about the quite advanced movement to take Christ out of Christmas, and I felt obligated to step into the fray to address this unnecessary and imprudent tendency. I say unnecessary because forbidding me to call a tree I put in my living room in December a Christmas tree is not in support of the tolerant and pluralistic society we say we live in. My contention is, if that's all it takes to offend someone, then I think that person's problems are a little more serious than simple indignation. And imprudent because the psychological and social consequences of eliminating humankind's spiritual dimension are grave, as we'll discover on the journey you'll embark on with us today in our program. The Psychotic Separation from God, today on Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones. I'm rather excited by our program today. Uh, We'll be publishing just a few days before Christmas 2012. I'm also intellectually and spiritually stimulated to tackle this admittedly delicate subject. But this latter is part of the thrill. We are so conditioned in our Western society today to not tread on anyone's toes in our speech. And this walking on eggshells tendency is something I really think needs to be treated in our discourse. However, just to be clear, I am definitely not a fan of the Fox News punditry or extremism, on the other hand, or even the Comedy Central mouthpieces who strut the same arrogance from the other side of the political spectrum. You know, every family has its no-talk subjects, Uncle Billy's drinking or abortion debates or even Stanley Cup matchups can degenerate into even fistfights if broached indelicately or under the influence of too much mulled wine. So a heavy blanket of censorship is thrown over the whole thing, and safer subjects like the twins' differing report cards or mileage comparisons of the 2011-2012 Hyundais are trotted out to give us something to say without pushing too many buttons. It's enough to drive anyone who's interested in a little deeper human experience crazy. It's like like a cap has been put on a pressurized Coke bottle, and it's all building up, waiting to explode. This is actually my personal theory as to why December 26th is the biggest shopping day in Canada. We're so pent up and agitated with not being able to talk about anything of substance that it has to escape somehow and the orgy of credit cards and fighting over $69 Blu-ray players is the inevitable result. I, for one, am exhausted (laughs) with 58 years of not being permitted to talk about whatever out of the fear of offending someone. This emasculation of political correctness has strangled intelligent debate in the West and left the field to the rabid dogs who are too sick and crazy to care what anybody thinks and so spew out their opinions regardless of what the other side is saying. I'm tired of the debate terrain being defined by these guys. If you're against the Homeland Security Act, you're for the terrorists. If you're against Darwin's theory of evolution, you're a fanatic religious zealot who's preparing to be whisked up to heaven when the world ends. You know what I'm talking about, this insane division into extremes by spin doctors 
seeking to give their high-paying corporate or political clients an edge in public opinion by skewing the debate with misleading and obfuscating language. Global warming is too condemnatory of human industrial practices. Let's morph into climate change, which sounds much more benign and natural. Pelo amor de Deus, as we say in Portuguese, for the love of God, enough already. Christmas is Christmas for a very specific reason, and that reason is not the nice gift wrapping they do at your local bookstore. It's a celebration of the birth of Jesus 2,000 and some odd years ago. The date, the 25th of December, was selected as the church's way of integrating the pagan festivals into the Christian calendar, but so what? Whatever day was picked, it was picked to celebrate that day of the birth of Jesus Christ. No amount of lobbying otherwise or asking retailers to say season's greetings to their customers instead of Merry Christmas or forbidding nativity displays in elementary school classrooms changes that for an instant. So, let's please have a little more maturity about this. It's almost 2013, for God's sake. Let's see if we can develop sufficient intestinal fortitude to stand it when somebody with a Christian belief wants to celebrate that on the day universally agreed upon for that purpose, without being so multiculturally sensitive that we want to take that away because it hurts our feelings. But you know, there's a much deeper problem to consider here, and this is much more serious. The science of psychosociopathology, developed at Norberto Kepi's International Society of Analytical Trilogy, shows us that negating human spirituality, forbidding or restricting a person's need for faith and worship, causes enormous personal and societal damage. And it's this corruption that we see manifesting more and more in society, with increased suicide and depression and aggression that can be laid at the feet of our megalomanic attempts to create institutions and national orientations that strip God out and replace Him with sterile law and policy, or worse, language drafted by spin doctors. This is what we want to address today. When thinking with somebody else's head returns, Claudia Bernhard Pacheco, in an uninterrupted 30-minute segment, leads us to explore and rue the consequences of our psychotic separation from God. That's up next when Thinking with Somebody Else's Head returns on the Stop Radio Network. Thank you for listening to the most relevant conversations in the world about stopping the destruction of ourselves and the planet. This is the Stop Radio Network. A divine society here on Earth. Kind of sounds like something cooked up by dreamers and mystics, doesn't it? An impossible dream. Well, not really. This coming July, an international group of scientists, thought leaders, and activists will gather for a week in the beautiful Brazilian countryside at the 19th International Conference of Analytical Trilogy to explore breakthroughs in the practical application of science, technology, and sustainable development emerging from the Science of Analytical Trilogy, founded by Dr. Norberto Arkepi. At the heart of the event will be demonstrations and new discoveries concerning the Kepi motor, a revolutionary, energy-saving motor which is up to 90% more efficient than traditional motors. 
You'll also explore the secrets and wide applicability of capturing and rescuing free and clean energy by tapping into a metaphysical dimension that's been ignored or misunderstood by contemporary science. You're invited to join us for the 19th International Conference of Analytical Trilogy, July 6th through 13th in Camuquira, Brazil. For more information, visit ICAT.WS. The program is Thinking with Somebody Else's Head on the Stop Radio Network. Here's your host, Rich Jones, and special guest, Dr. Claudia Bernhard-Pacheco. Thinking with Somebody Else's Head is on the Stop Radio Network. You know, when I produced our last show, I said it was going to be the last show of the year. <laughs> but uh, there's some things, and Claudia Bernhard-Pacheco is with me again, there's some things that have come up into my awareness in the last uh, couple of days, Claudia, that I thought it was important that we dig into. Me too. <laughs> there is a very uh, interesting article I've been reading, written a couple of weeks ago by Paul Wilson of the Media Research Center's Culture and Media Institute and Business and Media Institute, talking about removing Christ from Christmas. Uh, quite a, an interesting article he's done on the ridiculousness of this. And he says he starts off his blog or somewhere in the blog, he talks about how it wouldn't be Christmas without the secular crowd actively trying to censor the holiday, especially the religious aspects out of existence. And he gives some examples of a, uh, a North Carolina school refusing to allow a first grader, that's a six-year-old kid, to recite her poem in an assembly because it mentioned the word God. Louisiana State University, University photoshopped crosses out of pictures on their official website. Schools across the South have been pressured by atheist groups to repress long-standing traditions of prayer before football games. Uh, there was an anonymous parent who tried to stop production of a Charlie Brown Christmas at an Arkansas school because it contained the word Christmas. Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, hello. In Hawaii, the Department of Education canceled an annual Christmas concert over the threat of a lawsuit. They, they're object, objecting to the involvement of a church in organizing and publicizing the event, which has for years raised money for the poor of Africa. The Christmas tree, uh, senior citizens in Los Angeles were told they couldn't have a Christmas tree in their apartment complex because it's a religious symbol. West Piedmont Community College told students they could not use the word Christmas to promote a Christmas tree sale. What, what are they, a seasonal tree? What is this? Um, a liberal Rhode Island government, uh, Governor Lincoln Chaffee, renamed the state capitals Christmas tree a holiday tree. So let's yeah, not yeah, give too a, much enough, yeah. time and attention yeah. to those stupidities. Okay. Let's try to go more in depth into this analysis. Yeah, very good. Because um, these people, they speak out of an idea, a concept, that religion is a cultural thing. And each country has its cultural manifestation and that people should not impose in, in, in another culture 
their cultural beliefs or values. Right. Uh, but what is very, very um, important to bring to the to our attention and to the attention of our listeners is a comment that Joseph Gugashin, Professor Joseph Gugashin, did about this book glorification uh, that he pre made the preface. In he wrote 80, a beautiful preface, 82. 82. 82. And in here, Professor Gugashin, who was a professor of psychology, philosophy, and law in San Diego University, um, he, he says, and you will read it because of <laughs> obvious reasons. Uh, for obvious reasons, yes. Kepi uh, uh, gives a preeminent yeah. place. Uh, he's he's doing an analysis of Kepi's work as a preface to this incredible book, Glorification, that we mentioned in our program last week. And I have to say, this book is not a religious book in not terms at of, all. In, 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 the, in terms that people understand religion, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is a, a scientific book, yeah. psychological book. Yeah. So go ahead. Because Ke Kepi found in his working with people that if you ignore this uh, spiritual part of the human being, this religious part of the human being, you're uh, omitting a huge And not part. only that, Richard. If we do not consider the essence of the being as a metaphysical essence, energetic, metaphysical, linked to his creator. And if people don't understand philosophically, scientifically, metaphysically, energetically, that all problems start when we cut off the link with this very source of life and beauty and truth and goodness, which some people name God, So um, if people want to disclose from this source... To cut off. To cut off. So all infirmities start social, economic, psychological, physical, spiritual, social, uh, emotional. All problems start. And if a client, when he comes to analysis, he does not consider or does not accept that to go back to sanity, one must relink to God, but not a religious in terms of institutional religion. Uh, if one does not want to relink to truth, to goodness and beauty, which is the synonyms of God, one cannot, one cannot have an, a, like a reasonable balance I see this in every client I get into my office. If the person has a, is receptive to these concepts, they really, really improve a lot in their analysis. But if they don't, they will not be able to help themselves. And I cannot do much for this patient. It's very interesting. In fact, the word religion relates to this relink. Relink. Right? Relink. Okay, But so... so yeah, read a little bit here yeah. so you can understand more the concept of Kepi of this. Right. In, in Gogassian's foreword to Kepi's book, Gogassian writes this, Kepi gives a prominent place to religion in man's life. Religion has no cultural origin. Only the manner of worshiping is cultural. Man is, by his very being, a religious creature. If there are various liturgical ceremonies practiced around the world, 
This is possible because in the first place, religion is a metaphysical dimension of human reality. And consequently, there is a primordial manner of worshiping natural to the soul. Praying, bowing, and repenting are natural impulses. So Kepi writes, religion is something that is within the human being, not something social. So, That's a if brilliant paragraph, you repress Claudia. the manifestation of the soul, of the psyche, of the person, you are repressing the manifestation of the source of life itself. Read here. Uh, moreover, Kepi sees man's psyche as a microcosm. I'm just trying to find And subscribes St. Thomas Aquinas' theory that anima humana est quod modo omnia, meaning that human soul is a replica of the universe in its life forms, yet in miniature. Yeah, let me just uh, find that here. He says, um, goodness, no. In the same page, more. Uh, there's a little bit higher. Okay, right. Again, Kepi calls the self a psyche, like Aristotle. The theory of psyche denotes the metaphysics of soul as a life-giving or animating agent. And in the context of Kepi, it is best understood as a term designating the motive force underlying life itself. Moreover, Kepi sees man's psyche as a microcosm and subscribes to St. Thomas Aquinas' theory that anima humana est quadamodo omnia, meaning the human soul is a replica of the universe in its life forms, yet in miniature. So you see, this is all about the essence of ourselves. Of course. And if we repress this, we are repressing life itself. We're killing ourselves. We are killing, we're destroying ourselves. As you can see here on the page 9, Yep. Uh, he says, uh, we're, we're go- I'm, I'm reading from this incredible document of uh, Gogassians, where Gogassian says, Kepi states that the denial of the former... Which Could you, maybe you should start here, accordingly, yeah, accordingly, sanity. Okay, good. Accordingly, sanity consists in being in touch with life in the inner self. You see, this is, this is very Kepian. Very Beautiful. Kepian. Beautiful. Yes, because... Kepi talks about the loss of contact with our inner, inner nature, yes. Inner, 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 always, always. inner, inner, inner. Right. And, and exactly, and society reflects this loss of inner connection by being yeah. totally exteriorized. Yeah. Okay, so I'll read it again. Accordingly, sanity consists in being in touch with life in the inner self, and sickness arises when a person seeks the purpose of his life and his self in the world of objects or in the world of others. Kepi states that the denial of the former causes anxiety and the feeling of impotence, because the self becomes utterly immersed in the world, which discloses itself as a colossal mass of force, powerful enough to annihilate the self. The latter causes us to become anonymous, a number in the crowd. Hence, illness is the result of a conscious desire to either deny, omit, or misrepresent truth slash reality. 
id quid est. That which is, which is the goodness, beauty, and truth of human reality, magnificent in its making, because it is made in the image of its maker, God, the almighty and perfect designer. So, only people who still have or preserved, like some of their essence, can uh, vibrate and resonate with this understanding of this masterpiece, which is this book, Glorification, of uh, a science which encompasses spirituality, encompasses philosophy, encompasses arts, beauty, poetry. Can I tell you what I feel when I read these words, when I hear these words and read them? I feel this deep uh, landing, like something settles inside, very deep inside. And it's like um, a, a metaphysical dimension that I don't have contact with on a day-to-day basis in the world. But when time is taken to reflect on this, to think about the, these these words, uh, a great uh, piece of music, something that gets us in touch with this, it's like we settle. Yeah. So you see that since the modern ages, the philosophers started to discuss about the possibility of human beings getting in touch with the essence of things, with the truth of things and with our soul, with with truth, with reason. So all the philosophers uh, started to even to deny this possibility. And some of them, the existentialists like Kierkegaard, like Schopenhauer, like Nietzsche, like Sartre, uh, they got into a deep, deep, dark uh, night of the soul when they started to to be like nihilists in terms of what we could uh, touch of truth and beauty and goodness and, and calm down a little bit in our anxiety, in our anguish, in our emptiness, the, the lack of meaning for life. So we see the enormous amount of, of denial, of darkness, of anguish in all thinkers in, in the modern age, especially the 20th, uh, the, the, la- the, the late Uh, 19th century and the, the, the 20th century. And so now we are here with no thinker at all uh, in our present times other than just a few atheists uh, that, were, that got the Nobel Prizes like Saramago, who was not even a thinker. He was a Portuguese writer who was an atheist and communist, very superficial and some a few others, but you see Cappy alone in, 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 in this desert of thinkers and scientists and metaphysical thinkers, and you see him being alone and being still unknown by, by the majority. I, don't, I understand that people do this because they are all inverted. As Cappy put, the major cause of our problems is this uh, inversion we suffer. It's like an original sin, a decay in our genetics. We see everything upside down and our will is inverted. Like uh, Schopenhauer put, the essence of the being is the will. But he does not realize that the problem with that is that our will is distorted, is inverted. We have two kinds of will in ourselves. We have one which is distorted, it's the human will, 
that it's upside down. And as he puts, every will or wish that we accomplish brings an enormous anxiety because there will come another one and another one and another one that uh, come one after the other, never fulfilling uh, our Uh, the search for something to calm us down. And because we are inverted, we go into this opposite direction. Our will is always towards something that is against our essence. Yeah. And we have another kind of will, which is the essential will, which is absolutely in connection and according to the will of the Creator, the will of God, now which you, is which is goodness, yeah. beauty, truth. Yeah. We shouldn't have this other will that goes against that at yes. all. Yes. So it's, this it's, is our problem. Yeah. Doctor Kepi even said that if we if we um, follow this will and allow ourselves to think and feel and do whatever we want, this leads to mental illness. Yes, this, this, like what happened to Nietzsche. Nietzsche was a very Christian boy, and he, all his family was, uh, had um, very, very religious members. And religion in the past wanted human beings to follow laws, moral laws, moral principles, uh, like out of obedience, blind obedience. So people never understood why they had to do things or not to do things. They they understood God wanted them not to do or forbid some behaviors, forbid some sins and and said they should be like this and should be and this should do and don'ts that religious institution used for millenniums or centuries and centuries worked for a time to hold back these passions that are upside down passions and aggressiveness and pathologies, pathologies. We had to hold back our pathologies, but out of obedience. And this, this was never satisfying. Yeah. A, an emp- a feeling of emptiness remained because nobody understood what Kepi understood. That why one should do these things, why one should behave in a good way and avoid um, some pathologies as uh, perversions, as egotism, as pride. This seven, orig- the seven yeah. sins, for instance. Why should we avoid them? Because they are pathologies, and because our um, will is upside down, like having an attraction, an impulse to destruction. So we take pleasure in destroying ourselves. So it's not a matter of uh, being moralistic or being religious. It's a mo- matter of understanding that sanity, health can only exist in a, when we behave in accordance to universal laws yeah. of goodness, beauty, and truth. Dr. Kepi says, and we actually we used it in our, our our uh, radio program last week, this excerpt from Glorification that you had me read, where he said that the human being never feels well when he's not acting in accordance with his magnitude. Yes. It, we, we don't feel, it's, it's like it's unnatural. It's unnatural. So we create diseases because of it. Yeah. And, and the, anguish, anxiety. And so this idea then that lowers us to the state of, of instinctual animals coming from the ooze and the slime over billions of years, this is a very bad attitude about the human being. So now we understand that we have to behave 
<laughs> if we want to be healthy. <laughs> it, because behaving in a good manner, like in goodness, truth, and beauty, we are going like against our inverted will. So it looks like a sacrifice. But on the other hand, we go in like we go to our true reality and true essence. So after we do good, we feel good. And this is because we had an action and we have an existence in accordance to our essence. Yeah. Yeah. This is why every spiritual practice, every religion, every philosophy on the planet has this same law. Do good to others as you would have them do good to you, because this is the essence of life. If we do good, we feel good. Yes. And th- imagine starting a relationship on any basis than this one. Nobody would start a relation on the basis of lying and and stealing and cheating on each other. Everybody would start a relationship based on this idea that I'm going to treat you well and you're going to treat me well. And if, if I don't, if we don't have that sort of implicit agreement, we won't even embark on the relationship. So it's very clear that this is an, an essence of, of uh, the, the human being. And when we break it, we become, I'm just looking for something that Dr. Kepi said here, that psychosis is a commitment of the personality to remain alienated. So I want to bring two practical examples down to earth Good about a psychopathic or a delinquent attitude and about a, a psychotic attitude. Okay. So let's go to the, to the first one. Psychopaths, Psychopaths yes. delinquents, they confuse well-being, feeling happy with pleasure. The energy of evil or the evil energy, it rings strangely enough, but really strangely. It brings a kind of pleasure to our, to the zones of pleasure of our brain. Uh, the very uh, idea of a sin, of a perversion, can activate some areas of the brain that feel physical pleasure. So people, when they take drugs, when they steal, when they attack, when they uh, lie, when they do calumnias, yeah, well, like, um, uh, slandering, slander behind people's when they backs. slander, yeah. when they cheat, when they have, uh, they perform sexual perversions. When they dominate in some way, and when they have power, yes, social economic cruelty. power, cruelty. This brings a strange feeling of pleasure. We saw this in Abu Ghraib, the prison where the the Americans were torturing, the, mm. and there was all this uh, videos that went around the internet, and you could see it was like a almost an like ecstasy, an, yeah, yeah, like an orgasm, like an orgasm, like an orgasm. So this is so strange, Richard, but it brings this physical pleasure, which is very much compared many times with masochism and sadism. sadism. And people take pleasure from destroying like the, the innocence of young children. This is pedophily. They take immense pleasure in destroying the innocence of virgins of children and so this perversion which brings this physical pleasure is demonic 
And this brings right after the pleasure enormous anxiety, enormous feelings of guilt, guilt that, yeah. and uh, involuntary feelings of guilt that they have to hide even more and more and more. And this anxiety and this, pl- this, this, like this disgust, this emptiness, this, um, mental sickness. And later they get like caught into this pleasure and they have to have it again and again and back and more and more. But they still feel guilty after, right? Yeah, or sure. Less and less Even in- if they take a lot of pills and yeah. and alcohol and drinks and anything to hide their feelings of guilt, but they have it. Because we don't see this in the in the films, the TV shows that we see, because there's a lot of shows on TV about these serial killers. You never see this aspect in American television. But Dostoevsky understood this because mm-hmm. he wrote uh, Crime and Punishment, you know, the first few pages, uh, the student, Rushkolnikov, kills the terrible, terrible woman. Everybody would agree with that. And the first few pages and the rest of the book, 700 pages or something, is him dealing with his feelings, his horrible feelings of guilt. And uh, Yes, and when they feel feelings of guilt, it's a healthy sign. Yes. But if they went too far, they have the feelings of guilt that are repressed. But you never see this in the American films, no. these, these shows about psychopaths. You never see no, that. You they see want to, to say, you can be a psychopath and you will suffer nothing. If you want to suffer nothing, you'll be a psychopath. So it's like a teaching, a disinformation. Yes. Uh, but, but have you seen in these uh, TV channels, like reality shows, when they show these cops? putting in prison people that are people that are going after prostitutes on the streets or they steal cars. And yesterday I was watching one of the films where they have this uh, cars, uh, Isca, Isca, cars like Isca to to, like bait. bait. Yeah. 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 So they film the, the, the faces of the, these people who steal the cars who steal the cars? Yeah, they they, they are okay. filmed inside. The robbers uh-huh. are are filmed, filmed stealing they, the car. Yes, and what they say and the emotions they have before, during, and after when uh-huh. they are caught. How interesting! So you see them being like excited, even in the sensual pleasure to to do evil, to to, to steal the car, and I'm cheating. Nobody's watching me. Nobody's Ooh. watching. So right after. They start getting worried because then they see that things are not working this, in the way they expected, and then they are caught. And then all this, oh my, oh my, sometimes they say, oh my God, or Jesus. What and they do? always do this. They always claim for God. They always ask for the help of God. So what is this? And and then even the cops are very sadistic. The cops are very sadistic, yes. they. It's like a censoring thing, right? Yeah. They start to... But you see the behavior of the, the the delinquents. It's really not bringing any advantage to them. No. No, nothing. And and I would like to also to bring to attention the psychotic behavior. Yes. Like I have a client, and he's he's really unbalanced, and he has a girlfriend, and a father and a mother that, um, and he's trying. To get along with his father and mother for years, but they always have a fight. And he gets, like he has this girlfriend that protects him and gives him all the time the, re, the, the like, you are right, you are right. And uh, she pacts with him. And, but lately, he started analysis. So he's changing. He's changing his behavior. He's not pacting with a girlfriend anymore, as he did. 
And he's not pacting with his father and mother anymore, as he used to do. So his girlfriend is starting to say, this analysis is making you worse. <laughs> It's not doing good to you. Yeah. And mother too. And father, more or less. But I told him, uh, look, you will see this happen more and more from now on. Because your girlfriend wants you to be good for her. Your father wants you to be good doing what he wants. Your mother wants you to be good if you praise her all the time. So father is the most balanced one in the family. Because what father wants from him is something good and reasonable. He wants him to work, to develop, to study, to be a successful man. So what? And then I told him, now look, if you want to diminish your level of anxiety. You will have to stop pleasing, wanting to please yourself, to please your girlfriend, and to please your parents. You have to find the truth within you that is there within you and to do what God expects you to do. So you have to find out what is right, to do what is right, what is good, what is necessary, what is beautiful, in spite of what your parents, your girlfriend, or whoever wants you to do. So a person who really does analysis in, in depth, many times he will be seen by his friends and families as being worse because yeah. they, will, they will not anymore like resonate with the neurosis of the family. They will start being more ethical, more balanced, And always choosing what is good, what is right, what is truthful, and not what pleases parents or other people or society. And, and even cool. children do this. Even yeah. small children, yeah. parents uh, don't don't let they come back because they they oh my my child is getting worse. He's not as like obeying me anymore. So some struggles start happening in the family. And this reminds me what Jesus Christ said. I came not to bring peace, but the sword. And those who want to follow me should leave behind all the pacts with family, mother, father, parents, children, whatever. Claudia, we don't have any more time. There's some, sometimes when we're doing these programs, it's like a symphony. This is one of those times. Have well, you? the only merit I have is when I accept to manifest the symphony that Cappy brought to us from heaven. This is my feeling. When I, when I enter in these books, when I, I let my soul fly and travel through these incredible paths, of trilogical paths, we get to heaven. I know. It's a remarkable thing, this integration of spirituality with science that Kepi has accomplished. It gives us a way to be spiritual and metaphysically scientific at the same time. Not a small thing. Liberating, in fact. Well, this time it really is our last program of 2012, a week off now, and God willing, back for more in 2013. It's always a pleasure to do these programs, and without you listening, it wouldn't make much sense. So thank you for tuning in. From all of us at Thinking with Somebody Else's Head and the Stop Radio Network, all the best for 2013, and a very Merry Christmas. <laughs>